On the night of February 11, 1944, white and black Christians gathered in this sanctuary for a very significant event. The speaker was Dr. Howard Thurman, professor at Howard University, a very distinguished African-American educator, writer, poet, and theologian. And about this momentous event in the life of this church, a mixed congregation, blacks and whites, with a renowned guest speaker, the Blanton Book, which writes about the first hundred years of Second Presbyterian Church, says this. To those who know the history of Second Church, it must seem that this meeting of inspiration was the culmination of a hundred years of kindly feeling. Why was this visit to this pulpit by Dr. Howard Thurman so significant? It was 1944, 99 years after the founding of Second Church, and a large interracial gathering was happening in this sanctuary, which we would think is commonplace in these days. But that was 1944 in still segregated Richmond, Virginia. There are parts of our congregation's history of which we can be proud and not so proud. Certainly the evening, February 1944, with Howard Thurman in this pulpit remains one of the very proud moments in the history of Second Presbyterian Church Richmond. That event was also historical because of a certain individual who was present among the congregation, one Albert Curry Wynn, who would become, 30 years later, the 10th pastor of this church. Here's how Al Wynn describes that particular evening in 1944 in this sanctuary. I was, quote, a young seminary student from South Carolina whose mind was convinced that racial prejudice is a sin. He was already ahead of his time, trying to be guided by his faith instead of his white privileged culture. I was convinced, he says, that a segregated society is an unjust and dehumanizing society. But, he says, his emotions from the neck down were full of prejudices bred into me and conditioned into me from my earliest childhood. Those prejudices were fully inaccessible to reason, but they were accessible to Howard Thurman. As I looked into his great and luminous eyes, Wynne says, and heard the cadences of his voice from this pulpit and felt the power of his mind and spirit, all my stereotypes were shattered. My hidden assumption that every white person was bound to be superior to every black person was shaken and challenged. Here was a man superior to me and to just about everybody I had ever known. 
Today is part of our 175th anniversary as a congregation. We at Second Presbyterian Church in Richmond celebrate Alwyn Sunday and the transformational ministry of this 10th pastor of this church. Al Wynn served as pastor from 1974 to 1981. Al Wynn was a person with an amazing and great faith in God, a faith that shaped him, not culture, a faith that shaped him and everything about his life and ministry. Two passages of, of Scripture illumine our reflections about Al Wynn and his ministry at Second Church. First, from Isaiah the prophet. I'm reading the first few verses of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display His glory. And then hear this passage from Luke 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues, and he was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus and then he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and then a few verses down when they heard this all in the synagogue were filled with rage they got up, they drove him out of town, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them, and he went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Al Wynn graduated from Union Seminary in 1945, a year after that providential visit to this pulpit by Dr. Howard Thurman. Al served God for a short time in the U.S. Navy following World War II, and then he returned to his alma mater, Davidson College, to teach in the Bible and Religion Department for a few years before going to serve in Potomac rural parish in rural King William, Virginia. 
filled with the Spirit, as the Scriptures say, chaplain, teacher, preacher in a small rural church. But then in 1953, this young pastor, raised in segregated South Carolina and enlightened by his faith, moved with his wife Grace and their children to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Al became a Bible professor at historically black Stillman College. Instead of Floating along in a culture of Southern Presbyterianism, Al and Grace were led by faith and a calling from God to teach and serve at historically black Stillman College. It was there that he also got connected with the civil rights movement, which was gaining traction as people like the Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth and Andrew Young and others were speaking out against racial racial injustices in Alabama. Al Wynn, all of 32 years old, stood tall as a person of faith and justice. He invited black clergy from the Tuscaloosa area to gather at his house for study and conversation on Sunday afternoons, and he did all of this knowing that the KKK was outside writing down the license plates of everybody who was present. There's a strong sense that those words from the prophet Isaiah kept playing in Al's mind and heart. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Those words and others from the scriptures would shape everything about the life and the calling of Alwyn. Seven years in Alabama, were followed in 1960 when Al and Grace moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where Al became a professor of theology at Louisville Seminary. He served at Louisville Seminary for 13 years. The last six of those years, he served as the seminary's president. Following his time as seminary president, Al thought he wanted to get another teaching position, but God called him back to the pastorate, specifically this pastorate. He had a growing passion for urban ministry. He felt he had gifts for the urban church, a downtown church that decided to stay and serve downtown. What was God calling and expecting from the urban church? This piqued Al's interests and Al's gifts. How could an urban church embody the ways, the ministry of Jesus. Second Church in 1973 had a pastor nominating committee of 40 to 50 people. Yes, 40 to 50 people. The congregation wanted to be sure that every faction in the church was represented. represented. I guess there were a few factions. They had a traveling group of eight or ten people, and that group went to Kentucky to hear Alwyn preach. And his sermon that day was on change 
and resistance to change. One strong woman on the search committee, and I think I know who, thought his sermon was really great and pushed for Al to be considered by the whole committee. Some on the committee thought Al was too liberal, liberal, worried that he would be demonstrating and protesting and bringing negative attention to the church. So they asked him. And when asked about protests and demonstrations, Al told the committee that he didn't have any plans to demonstrate and protest, but he also, quote, didn't think you should give away your conscience ahead of time. Somehow, the committee reached a consensus and called Al Wynn to be the 10th pastor of this church. And he and Grace arrived in 1974. The first challenge confronting the new pastor involved the church's manse, located in a swell section of town, but also in a neighborhood that prohibited Jews. Al says, quote, I didn't want to live in an exclusive neighborhood, and besides, the house was too big for me and Grace. Imagine those words playing in his mind and heart. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the oppressed. They shall be called oaks of righteousness. Al sought to be shaped by faith and his sense of ministry with integrity, always following Jesus. He and Grace bought a house in the north side near the seminary. And he says, quote, it's not the slums, but it's not where the best people lived as he was told. And he says in his memoirs, he recognized that it was going to be a challenging pastorate. Well, the challenges continued to emerge because Al Wynn, led by faith, seeking to follow Jesus, committed his time to building urban ministries in this urban church. Al Wynn sought to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted in downtown Richmond. There were some allies in the church, excited, ready, primed for this kind of ministry. And some of those people are still around giving love and energy to the urban ministries of this church. The church started the child care center for people who worked in the center city. The church started trying to serve the community, assisting families of inmates with strong lay leadership from current member Tom Edmonds began for families of prisoners, mostly blacks, but also whites, to keep families connected to their loved ones in prisons far out in the country. Alwyn also got the downtown churches together to organize a system where each church would take one day of the week to provide a hot meal, a hospitable place of welcome. This is known today as Downtown Community Ministries, an alliance that continues to be so important in our city as we seek to feed the hungry and assist the needy and give them garland instead of ashes for more than 40 years. This has been going on, and I hope you have read about these ministries in a document written by Tom Edmonds, which was included in the July newsletter of the church. Al Wynn also had a part in the establishment of Caritas, the community's attempt to care for the homeless. 
Al convinced the session to call an associate pastor, not an assistant pastor, which had been the church's uh, practice, but an installed, installed pastor called by the congregation. David Morgan came to second and helped so much with the homeless ministry and these outreach efforts. Al Wynn really recognized something very important about urban ministry and he built it out in the life of this church. The downtown church really has two constituencies. There is the constituency that the urban church serves. The needy, the homeless, the hurting of the city. That ministry, that outreach that mission of compassion and justice and mercy attracts a second constituency. People following Jesus. People in the church who want to do something about the city. People who live in the suburbs are not going to come driving past two or three other Presbyterian churches just to come downtown, even if the music is better or the preaching is better. But if they are motivated... Al knew to do something for the city as a whole. They find a church that's doing it, serving God, bringing good news to the poor, release to the captives. The people will come downtown. The service to the community, the living out of the good news in tangible ways. That's what makes a church. Al writes this. We did have good music. And I hope we had good preaching, but Second Church was where you went if you cared about the city of Richmond. That, friends, fortunately, is still the case. The Child Care Center, the Assisting Families of Inmates program, the weekday lunch program, walk-in, downtown community ministry, and our compassion for the homeless all reflect Al Wynn's energy, commitment to turn this urban church to urban ministries, to turn this glorious building to serve God's people, to make this sacred space accessible and attentive to the poor the needy of the city and the world. He was a person of deep and abiding faith in God and that faith led him, empowered him, sustained him in creating lasting ministries in this church that continue to define who we are and what we seek to be about as God's people in downtown Richmond and beyond. But this journey, turning the church outward, bringing transformation is, was not easy. There were significant members in the church for whom this involved too much change, too much challenge. In writing about this and those who opposed him, Al says the motto of this group in the church when I first got there was forward into yesterday. I think we have some people in our society who still go by that phrase, forward into yesterday. Well, this group remembered when Second Church was the refuge of wealthy families. It was less a place to serve and more a place to be seen. And all of this opposition created for Al Wynn what he describes as the dark side of his seven years as pastor. He did so much turning the church to the world, but change is hard and change is taxing. And after 
only seven years, seven challenging years, he felt he had done all he could at second and moved on to Atlanta for a short stint at another church before an active retirement of preaching and teaching and encouraging others. The work of ministry in Jesus' name can be quite difficult. It can be lonely. It can be something that gets you into trouble. Jesus certainly encountered this. The people wanted to throw Jesus off the cliff in his own town. Al Wynn certainly discovered this. The preaching of the good news, the binding up of the broken, the seeking to spread righteousness. Well, sometimes it's not well received. It was in Al's retirement that he had a direct impact on my own life and my own ministry. During Alwyn's time in Richmond, he began to work in the area of spirituality. So the dean at the seminary approached Al about teaching a course in spiritual classics. Take note, the dean did not ask Al to teach a class in urban ministry. He didn't ask Al to teach a class in social justice or prophetic witness. He asked Al to teach a class in spirituality. Remember, Al had been a seminary professor and a seminary president, so he jumped at this idea. Well, I was fortunate to take his class. And many students across the South were fortunate because he was invited to teach and speak on this topic all around well after he retired. Here's what I learned clearly from Al Wynn. The passion to bring good news to the oppressed to serve God in the world, to turn the church to the city is absolutely rooted in spiritual classics and disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, meditation, and more. Without the connection to God, we'll not get very far in the world. Without prayer and scripture, we do not really know what we're doing or why we're doing it. Without a tradition of faithful piety, we're just protesting. Al embodied this throughout his life. Life is rooted in God. And life is about moving the world closer to God's promised reign, God's purposes. Al Wynn's whole life was shaped in this way. I still have all the books and all the notes from that class. And I also have this very formative experience. On a certain Monday morning, in the middle of that semester, we gathered for class with Al Wynn, probably to talk about certain spiritual classic, maybe St. Teresa, or maybe it was about Howard Thurman, who was certainly one of Al's great heroes. Dr. Wynn started the class by asking us on that Monday what we had done on the previous weekend and why we were not in Washington, D.C. We didn't even know anything about Washington, D.C. and what was going on there, but there was a big protest event. I think it was a protest against U.S. troops fighting the Santanistas in Nicaragua, and I think Al Wynn had gone to Washington and gotten arrested at the U.S. Capitol that weekend And he came back on Monday and he asked us in the seminary classroom why we weren't there with him. We said we were studying. 
We said we're doing our coursework. We're trying to graduate. He said, you can't just study and ignore what's going on in the world. You read Howard Thurman to know about God and how much God cares about justice. God calls us to carry out the purposes of God in the world. And we said, we didn't know you were going. We wish we had known. And he said, you got to pay attention to these things. And then he turned and began the class teaching again about spiritual classics. Alwyn, appointed to bring good news to the poor. Garland instead of ashes. The mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Alwyn had a way of making a deep impression on faith and life and discipleship and ministry. This was his life. This was his calling. About a year after I arrived at Second Pres to be the 12th pastor of this congregation, I got a handwritten note in the mail from Al Wynn. He knew me from that seminary class. He also knew my father and Ginger's father from their many years of serving in ministry in the Presbyterian church together. And he also knew that I had come to be pastor at Second Church. The note that I received touched me so much, even still touches me. Al had received the church's newsletter at his retirement community in Winston-Salem. He said that he had come to Second Church in 1974 with a passion to establish a vital inner city ministry to help transform the church and the community, including the homeless and the hurting. He said that many members bought into this vision but many did not. So he felt that it was best to move on. And then he said this in the note. Now it is clear that Second is fulfilling his dreams of what the church could and should be about. And he concluded, I am profoundly grateful and I will hold you in my prayers. We continue at Second to be inspired and transformed by the life and the faith and the ministry of Al Wynn, who sought to follow Jesus, proclaiming good news to the oppressed, binding up the brokenhearted, giving garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. This is the work of God, the holy God, the God of Israel, the God of Jesus, the God of Second Presbyterian Church, Richmond. Al Wynn keeps challenging us to find the good and the faithful road toward the promised reign of God. May we, friends, members, people of God at Second Presbyterian, may we keep on that good road toward the light, the love, the justice, the joy of Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory and honor, thanks and praise be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To serve you, to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly well. That is to abide forever. O oh God, we seek that way. Amen.